God, please take your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 6. Be a little topical message, although we'll be looking at a few of the verses in Galatians. Uh, and elsewhere, of course, uh, we usually look at a lot of scriptures. And we believe strongly in going through the Word of God, amen, and letting the Word of God permeate our hearts and learning what God has to say and what the Lord wants us to know. And the name of this message is Bearing One Another's Burdens. Bearing One Another's Burdens. Do you find yourself in your own life preoccupied with yourself? Because that's a sign of the, the, the times, you know. The Bible says last days men will be lovers of self, right? Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient appearance, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, inconvenient fears, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And it goes on to talk about how, you know, as evil men snuck in women's houses that were weak-willed and led them astray. These people that will be like that will oppose the truth of God. And he goes on to warn that all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution because the world would be so narcissistic, you know? But an evil man will proceed from bad to worse, he goes on to say. So the, the times are supposed to get really bad, and you can see it before our eyes right now. People are just so self-centered. But that's not what we're called to be as believers, amen? And we're called to bear one of those burdens. And you can understand if you're really growing in Christ or not, whether you are with a, a motive to glorify God and be a blessing to others, whether you're seeking to bear the burdens of others, or whether you're just trying to feed your flesh. And Christians... When we become Christians, we take up our crosses as Jesus commanded. Amen. We deny ourselves, take up our crosses daily, and follow him. And part of following him is bearing one another's burdens. And bearing the burdens of others is a mark of Christian maturity. And not just doing the work, of, that's the fruit of uh, God's work in us by his grace through faith, but also having a, a proper attitude in loving people. And Paul talks about bearing with those who are weak, you know and helping them out and encouraging one another. And we know as believers in Christ, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, that we're called to, uh, it says he gave some apostles and some of his prophets and some as evangelists, around verse 11 there, and some as pastors, teachers, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. So God gives Christian, Christian leadership to perfect the saints, to feed the sheep, to guard the sheep, and to encourage them to minister one to another. And as Christians, we ought to be doing that. I mean, how many of you were encouraged by the worship tonight? The Bible says singing to one another psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Well, that just doesn't happen. It wasn't as though, you know, Jonathan came up here before the, the service began and popped a can and out came a worship team and everything was just ready to go. You know, people had to sacrifice their time, their talent, their treasure to minister to us and encourage us in song. And we're called to encourage one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual song. Amen. So, uh, but that's because people that are leading in worship, at least I know in this fellowship, they love the Lord. They want to worship him and they want to encourage their brothers and sisters in the Lord. And it takes sacrifice. But not everybody's called to be a, on the worship team. Not everybody's called to, uh, you know, take care of the children, which to me is one of the most important things to do. Uh, we're, we're given different gifts, but we're called to build one another up. And I've encouraged you over and over again that the ministers in the church are all the believers, amen? And we're called to bear one of those burdens. So I want you to go to Galatians chapter 6. And specifically, I want to look at verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. And we'll look at the context of that verse, uh, although I want to really focus on bearing one another's burdens 
today. And I was asked after last Sunday's service uh, by a great sister, uh, where does the line, where's the line between complaining, because that message was warning about complaining, right? The Bible has a whole lot to say about complaining. In fact, a lot of people didn't get the promised land because they were whiners, right? And where's the line between complaining and actually, you know, sharing your burdens with others when you're going through something, when you're going through a hardship, when you're going through something very painful, uh, you know? And you know what? Uh, and we were talking about, you know, she was talking about the line between that, complaining and bearing each other's burdens. So I thought, you know, the best way to do that, deal with that is, you know, let's, uh, let's talk about bearing each other's burdens, you know? Because complaining is a spirit of dissatisfaction in the biblical context with God or others and then complaining as though God isn't in ultimate control, as though he's not working everything out for, for the good for those who love him or the call according to his purpose, as though he doesn't have a plan, as though... Uh, it's, it's, like, it's like being a practical atheist. There's what you call, we call practical atheists. They're, they know there's a God. It's obvious to them, but they act as though God doesn't exist. So they don't walk in faith and they walk in worry and, and anxiety and complain about everything as though God isn't there. When he's there, you know, as though God doesn't love them. When he loves them, you know. And it's tough because we go through things as humans and he knows that we're made of dust, Right? says he knows that we're made of dust he knows that we're weak so he's very sympathetic but at the same time he's a holy god and we have to watch out that we don't fall into a mental state of chronic whining and complaining and treating god as though well as though he doesn't exist and though he does as though he doesn't love us however he also expects us as believers when we're going through something heavy uh and we need help to share our burdens with one another now there's two extremes because you can share burdens that nobody's supposed to be, not supposed to be sharing with, which we'll talk about, that you're supposed to be bearing yourself. And that could be a problem because then sometimes people become parasitical. They're constantly expecting everybody else to do things that they're supposed to be doing. I mean, I'm a pastor, so I know that that exists in the church. <laughs> Dealt with for years, you know. And I, but there's other people who, in pride, don't ever want to share that they have a need and need help. And then, guess what? They end up getting crushed under burdens that they should be sharing with others. So that's another extreme. And if you have more burdens than others that you have to share sometimes, that doesn't mean you fall into that extreme. Some people just have, a, they, they go through a lot of troubles, and we have to recognize that. So I'm really talking about the spirit behind the complaining, and then at the same time, the spirit of pride that will never share a need with somebody else, uh, and then you'll be crushed under it. And how do we know the difference, and, and so forth, and how can we distinguish the differences? Uh, it's very important that we try to really get an understanding of what the Lord is calling us to here because this is just going to be a very practical teaching about how we're supposed to love one another. Because if you go to chapter 5 of Galatians, verse 14, Paul writes, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In this statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Lord God, help us to get our hearts and minds around this. Again, I pray that we can grow thereby in your son's name. So when he, when he says that we fulfill the law of Christ in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, he's talking about the, the uh, horizontal aspect of the law. You know, uh, there's a vertical aspect. We're supposed to love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen. Then there's a horizontal aspect. And he's getting practical right now because he's talking about the relationships with one another. And we're supposed to love one another and fulfill the law of Christ. We're not under the law of Moses, right? You don't have to be circumcised and keep the Sabbath and all these different things. 
but we're under the law of Christ. And we're not under the law of Christ as a means to earn or obtain salvation. We're saved by grace through faith, but as a guide as to how we're to live and show our thanks to the Lord and be what he's called us to be. And so we're to fulfill the law of Christ, but how do you fulfill the law of Christ? Well, one of the ways that that is manifested is there in chapter 6, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens, and thereby what? Fulfill the law of Christ. Now, when we look at this, the Greek word for bear, so keep in mind that the New Testament was written in Greek, right? And our words, you know, for instance, that have to do with our English words sometimes are quite limited. Sometimes we'll use one Greek word to translate a host of, or one English word, I should say, to translate a host of Greek words. And I don't want to get into that other than to say uh, it's nice to look at what the Greek word actually means because sometimes you can miss some of that. But it has a similar to our, our English meaning, but the Greek word is uh, bastazo, okay? Now, bastazo means to carry, to take up, or even to take away and even carry off in some context. So this word bear means to, to, to carry or to uh, take up and even to carry off, as I mentioned, certain contexts. And the Greek word for burden there is baros. So you have bastazo means to carry and baros, baros, because it's a, a omega instead of omicron in the Greek, which is both are O's, but one's a ah. So baros. And it means to, it, it means to, it means a weight. Simply, simply that just, it's a weight. Something that weighs and it's hard to move to a degree. And so we're called to, guess what? Bear, hold up, help people with the weights that are crushing them, that are holding them down. You know, and uh, God gives us hearts to do such, you know. Uh, he's such an awesome God. And it's just amazing seeing how people love one another and minister one another in fellowship. You can see the love of Christ, the law of Christ being fulfilled to a degree. The Lord says to the church of Thessalonica that he commends them for the love for one another, but then he says still abound more and more your love to one another. So I'm not getting down on you saying you're not a loving fellowship. We've got a very loving fellowship here. It's amazing. But we're called to grow in that love to one another. Amen? And it's interesting because this concept you know, to love one another and bear each other's burdens isn't in, just doesn't come from the New Testament. Now, the law of Christ becomes more specific to the New Testament because Jesus said, love one another as I've what? Loved you. Amen. You can't find that anywhere in the Old Testament. That's the law of Christ. But you have loving your neighbor as yourself in the Old Testament, bearing one another's burdens. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter, you can go there if you want to. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 or verses 7 and 8. If there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers in any, in any of your towns in, in your land or which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart nor close your hand from your poor brother, but you shall freely open your hand to him and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need and whatever he lacks. Wow. Easier said than done, right? But he's telling us that we're supposed to be helping out our brothers and sisters who have lack, who are hurting. And this he's telling them in the Old Testament context in the land. Well, now we're the church, right? And we're on the way to the promised land, which is the heavenly kingdom. But we're called to bear each other's burdens in the New Testament as well. Now look at verses 10 and 11. Right after that, he says, you shall generously give to him. It doesn't say, oh, you give him a little bit, you know, a speck of what you have. 
No, generously give to him. And your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him. In other words, you shouldn't be, man, I can't believe I have to give to this guy. You know? No, you shouldn't be grieved. You should be, uh, the Bible talks about being a cheerful giver. Amen? The Bible says those that lend to the poor, lend to the Lord. That's pretty powerful. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you. I love this. For because of this, he says, the Lord your God will bless you in all the work and in all of your undertakings. Meaning, if you obey him and you seek to be one who blesses others who are struggling, who, who are having a really hard time, you know, having ends meet. And I'm not talking about casting your pearls before swine. Jesus warns about that, you know. Talked about not casting your pearls before swine, lest they turn and tear you up, you know. So there are those who are parasitical, who simply live their existence as trying to get things from everybody else. And that's what they're about, you know. And he wants to be wise. But we're talking about uh, someone who uh, sincerely needs help and they're not, they're not trying to con you. And going the extra mile, as Jesus used that f- term, and they ask for your coat, give them your shirt, he said as well. So he says, for the poor will never cease to be in the land, and therefore I command you, saying, you shall freely open your hand to your brother, to, to the needy, and poor in your land. Now again, God will bless you, he says earlier, in all your work and in all your undertakings. So what he's saying here is don't be afraid to give and help people. It doesn't mean there's no risk involved, but it means the Lord will be with you in your undertakings. No matter what you go through, he's going to be with you. He's going to bless you in it. May not be the kind of blessing you're looking for. In fact, a lot of the church is taught here in the United States of America, unfortunately, that you give to get material things, right? And we know that that's unbiblical. Although God will oftentimes bless you with material things when you're giving, no doubt about it. But he also says, you know, give and it'll be given unto you, right? Shaken down, pressed up, and running over. And you know what the context of that is? Mercy. If you go look at Jesus' teaching there, it's not a physical thing. But you know what? I'd much rather have mercy, God's mercy, amen, than a physical thing, a material thing, amen? Because the world and all, so many of these rich folks are going to hell without mercy and going to lose everything they've got on a material level. So it's important for us to understand, you guys, that God's going to take care of you as we bear each other's burdens. And you're going to be blessed in that. You know, Jesus said it's better to give than to what? Than to receive. And I know that to be a fact. I know that I'm most joyful when I'm sharing the gospel, by far. Whether it's with strangers, or whether it's my brothers and sisters, or it's with my family, when I'm sharing God's word and loving on them. You know, I'm a pastor, so I'm called to feed. The Lord says to Peter, feed my sheep. Peter says to the elders, feed God's people. You know, so I'm called to do that. And, but at the same time, as believers, we're all called to encourage one another. There's a lot of verses that talk about, I've gone through some of them, I've done some messages on called the one another's, talks about ministering to one another, encouraging one another's, bearing one another's burdens. There's so many one another's. We're a body, amen? And like your physical body is interdependent. The organs are interdependent with, the, the, you know, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your ears, your taste, your nose, and you've got all these organs and all these cells. You've got these, you know, if you, if you had COVID, you have these antibody cells now. If you got, and then, oh, your antibodies disappear in three months. Well, no, there's also these called helper T cells that are there now. Yeah, okay, that'll be around for a while. And there's different types of helper cells. Some just link onto that COVID and destroy it. Some just call, build up other antibodies. I think those are the helper B cells. Build up other antibodies. We've got all kinds of work going on in our bodies that we don't know about. That's a blessing. Well, guess what? God has all kinds of work going on in his body. 
okay? And he wants you to be, make sure you're, that you're one of those helper cells, amen? That's blessing, that's encouraging, you know? And you might have a, you might be watching out for, wow, this guy just came in, and you know what? This guy, man, he's wearing, you know, a trench coat, and, you know, he's lying people in a real strange way and so forth, you know? And you might be like, oh, I need to make sure I've got a heads up there, I'm watching that guy. Maybe I'm going over to him. Maybe he means something bad. Somebody else might see that guy and say, poor guy. You know, he needs a hug. You don't know which one it is sometimes, right? And you just love on people. So it's different way. People have different gifts, you know. Now, it's not a gift to say to everyone. You're suspicious about everyone. That's, that's just, that's sin, you know, <laughs> if you're suspicious about everybody and don't, can't love on anyone. But you have to seek the Lord because the Lord's given us different gifts and different administrations of those gifts. You also have to be aware that not everybody has the same gift. How many of you can say, thank the Lord, not everybody has the same gift? Amen. Amen. That's right. I'm glad we don't all play the drums. Sometimes it seems like all my grandkids play the drums, though, Jim. <laughs> but yeah, we all need each other, and we're a body, and we're supposed to work together. We're supposed to be helping one another, and supposed to be helping lift the weight off of one another. And uh, that means if somebody is really sick, you know, uh, we can step up and try to help them out in some way. Amen? Uh, it might be through praying for them. It might be by simply sending them a text, letting them know that you love them and that you're praying for them. It might mean by making them a meal, right? And we, we have a lot of that going on right here in this fellowship. There's, you know, you can, we have it organized to where if somebody's sick or hurting in the fellowship and they, they're in need, uh, you can make meals for them and so forth. Uh, you can be one of the people on the list. That way, not, everybody bears, not everybody's supposed to bear the, sa- the burden by themselves, right? Oh, aren't you the meal person? Don't you make meals for everybody in the church whenever they're having a hard time? You know how nobody can do that. We need each other, you know? I need you guys. I'm constantly juggling. I'm constantly juggling. And sometimes people think that I've, there's 50 of me, you know? No, I've, I've got, only, I've got a, only so many hours a day, and I'm constantly juggling things. And it's funny, when I was driving here, coming into Easy Street, I'm sitting there, and I look up and I see Nico, and he's in this white truck and he's, he's smiling. And I'm a big old smile. And I'm like, I'm right behind him. And I, I go, I know what he's thinking. Because I'm like, I'm always changing my message up and adding things and taking things away and praying about it. You know, that's my life, you know, in a lot of ways. Oh, and I have some leisure time here and there, but if I didn't have any time with my family, then I wouldn't be a good dad either, you know, or a good husband. So I try to balance it out, but we need one another to help each other out, you know? You can't look at 10 people and say they should be doing all the work. You'd be saying, what am I doing? Amen, am I ministering? Am I, am I helping people out? That's so important that we're helping each other out. And, uh, and it's so awesome to see the body of Christ work because, you know, just recently my wife Lisa's mom died and it touched us both so deeply as to how people just reached out. And, and she doesn't go here, you know? Uh, she hasn't been, you know, she wasn't walking with the Lord. And then until recently, she started talking more about the Lord and stuff. And, and on her deathbed, she started talking more and more about how she's just seeking Jesus and so forth. And we leave her in God's hands, you know. Uh, but it was just awesome because so many people had reached out to uh, my wife and my family as well. But uh, mainly to Lisa, just because they knew she was hurting. She loved her mom. She went through the same thing with her sister. Lisa had cancer, and by the grace of God, she got through it. Years later, I think five years later or so, Sister D got cancer, and uh, she didn't make it, you know? And God used that to bring Lisa into her life because when Lisa became a Christian, 
you know, what happens when you become a Christian in your family sometimes, right? Sometimes there's some distance, and she would hope there had been greater closeness. She shined the light of Christ, but God used that time. I think it took about a year or so, just over, almost a year and a half or so, too, before she had passed. But God really opened up Dee's heart to really seek the Lord. And, uh, but, you know, when you're used to bearing others' burdens, it's kind of a trip when all of a sudden you've got the burden, right? I mean, I had COVID in December, and I was told I was going to die, and I'm laying in the hospital. I'm like, hit me. This is kind of just, what in the world's going on here? Okay, seeking Jesus, hands in the air, crying out to him. But before I knew it, I'm like, I have the burden of the fellowship. I mean, like I said, I'm called to feed the sheep. I'm also called to guard the sheep, you know, as a pastor. And all of a sudden, man, elders and Brother Chad stepped up and did just wonderful, and they taught and and I thought, man, Lord, I didn't, I wasn't like, see you guys later, I'm going to heaven. But I was like, I can die, I can't say perfectly 100% comfortably as far as knowing the church was in good shape, but it was in the high 90s, it was up there, it was like, wow, Lord, you're in control. Of course, you know, you always want to be there and make sure, uh, well, if it's his will, I'm like, Lord, okay, then it's yours, you know, do whatever you want. But, and then there was my family, of course, you know, my wife, my heart broke for her if I was all of a sudden gone, you know, and uh her heart breaks for anybody. We're just been, we've been praying for Tristy and Mark. Some of you know Tristy and Mark. Mark's there in China right now, and he's got a form of leukemia, and he's been on the, you know, in their ICU and stuff, fighting for his life. And uh, Tristy used to go here, but she moved years ago. Uh, cut her hair for years, up until just a few years ago. Uh, and she's, we just love them. And uh, praying for them, you know. It's a heavy thing when you think you, you might die. But you know what? I was tripping out because when I was going through my COVID situation, not knowing if I was going to live, my people reached out to my wife as well, bearing our burdens. You know, I came home, and even though I was home, man, I, you know, if you had COVID and you had a good dose of it, not talking where you have a small amount of COVID, but a pretty good injection of that, it's pretty gnarly, you know? And uh, people reached out. People, you know, loved us. Got a lot of texts, you know, just of encouragement. And, uh, People brought meals by, you know, and I was like, wow, man, it's just so awesome. Uh, Angel and Diane, you're sitting right in the front. They came by my house. I, I start talking about things, Lord, down. I start crying, so I got to be careful. But it was just such a blessing. Man, your wife can cook, bro. <laughs> that was you? Oh, amen. Okay, good. I'm like, I don't think so, bro. <laughs> Although I know you can cook, man, but uh, you can eat it. <laughs> Amen. The Lord is good. Amen. And uh, we need to bury, we're, we're here to bear each other's burdens, you know. And the Lord's by His grace, I mean, I've pastoring now for 30 years. I've been in a couple situations like that in my life as a Christian where I actually had a need for people because I don't, it's like, well, who do you go to? I go to Jesus all the time, you know. I have pastor friends and stuff and so forth. But He'll put me in those situations too because how can I relate to others? The Bible says comfort others with the comfort you've received. So we all go through trials, you know. But I'm one of those guys, I have to be honest, where it's like, I got it. I got it. Don't worry about it, you know. And when you got COVID and you're back against the wall, you think you're going to die, perhaps, and you're crying out to God, you're like, okay, Lord, my time's in your hands. Whatever you've got, it's really easy to just humble yourself at that point and just say, I need help. Thank you, Lord. Somebody, hopefully, Lord, you bring somebody to reach out to my wife and my my kids, and encourage them all. Hopefully, you, and, and I know, by the grace of God, we've got really, by the grace of God, by the grace of God, we've got amazing leadership here. So I knew, I knew the Lord, you know, sometimes people will tell me, 
and they tell me this through the years. They go, man, Joe, if you die, you know, what's the church going to do? You know, the church is going to be in big trouble. And I always say, if that's the case, then I've done a really bad job. Because if I haven't built and discipled men in this fellowship up enough to where they can uh, do a good job edifying and build up the brothers and sisters, then I've blown it. I haven't done the job the Lord's calling me to do, you know. Although I'm grateful to be around, you know. So I've just, it's been just beautiful seeing people bear each other's burdens through the time I've been here as a pastor. I haven't, I've been pastoring a long time and, and I don't, I see when people are in need and people know about it. You know, no one's perfect, you know. And, but people typically step up and help one another. And it's great. We need to keep doing that and do it all the more. So uh, there's all kinds of things we do. I mentioned encouraging people with Scripture. Encouraging people with your presence. You know, just loving on people, you know. There's always people that are sick in the fellowship or hurting or going through a trial. And that's why we all need to be involved in it, you know. You can't have 100 people. And I, I was grateful. Part of me, I hate to say it, part of me was grateful that nobody could visit me because I was so wiped out. I'm like, man, I started to give you a different view for pe- visiting people. I'm like, next time I visit people, I'm not going to stay for an hour. Poor people, because <laughs> you're wiped out. You're like, I'd be like, wow, 20 people in a row. I'd be like, can you guys please leave if you really love me? You know, or something like that, you know. <laughs> so, but you know what? Getting all these encouraging texts and people loving on me, and if it was open, of course, I'd love to see people to a degree. But we also, that shows you that we don't all, everybody doesn't need to be involved in helping the same exact person, but if we all help different people at different times, you know what I'm saying? We spread out our, we say, Lord, you show me, but at the same time, it would be a shame if you're like, well, somebody will reach out to them, and nobody does. You know what I'm saying? So you have to be very, very careful with this too, and prayerful. Uh, Now, sometimes it's a burden where you can just, you know, buy someone groceries so he loses their job, you know? They're not parasitically just trying to go to everybody and refusing to get a job and, and trying to get money from people, but they're sincerely going and seeking the Lord because the Bible says if they don't work, don't let them eat either. In other words, don't, don't sustain somebody who is leeching. You know, if they're not desiring to work, but they want you to use your money and everybody else's money, uh, that's not good because that person's not right with God. You patting them on the back while they're in rebellion to God, you know, but Let's say somebody, you know, they're a sincere believer, they love the Lord, and they lose their job, you know. That means the way you can bear their burden is just, you know, simply buy them groceries. If it's not a meal, maybe you can buy them groceries for a few days. Or maybe you're like, man, I can't even pay, I can barely meet my own bills. Well, maybe you can pull some resources together, right? Call different people. This happens sometimes. It's like, hey, why don't we get this guy's groceries? Or you might be a little, you know, you might say, hey, I want to pay one of your, you know, your groceries paid for Said a goodbye, hey, can I pay one of, off one of your utilities this month or something like that? Obviously, you know, the whole church can't typically pay everybody else's mortgages, right? Because people have a hard time making ends meet themselves. But the Bible says to bless others in accordance with how the Lord's blessed you, you know? And there are other pe- different people that can step up in different ways. You might go to a food pantry that you know about to help someone, you know? Uh, there's a lot of different uh, ways that we can reach out and help one another. I love Acts chapter 11, verses 27 through 30, because there is the church of Antioch. And this is the church that comes to the knowledge that there's a famine that's going to take place in Judea. It's prophesied. And then it actually happened. And guess what? It's not like they had a ton of money, but they gave an offering and gave it to the apostles to bring to Judea to help that church. They didn't even know the believers there. 
They just want to help their brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's the thing we need to understand. We have brothers and sisters in Christ, not just here, but everywhere. Amen? And it's, I've, I love it. I mean, praise the Lord. You know how many people in this fellowship have stepped up and helped the Mexico church in significant ways? It's, and whether, not, not just talking financially, there's been a ton of people that have gone over there uh, who've helped build, who've helped pray, who've helped reach the lost, who've done things, others that have given financially, others that are still praying. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. That's the Lord. The Lord's looking for us to be like him. And he, he, he yearns for us to be like him. And he gave it all for us, amen, and on the cross. So uh, I love it, man. We've, when there's been, uh, you know, catastrophes, like in New York, some people from the church went before, Katrina. Joe, you went to Katrina, right? Is that you? Right? You were one of the brothers that went there. People go out and help. The Philippines, they had the typhoon, Right? Thousands of people dead. Our church went two or three times to go bring relief and, and help rebuild. And we re- rebuilt a, a Christian uh, s- uh, school there, you know, seminary type school. And, and guess what? The Lord says when you do those things, you, you're involved in those kind of undertakings, the Lord will bless you, right? Remember that? We read that verse? Well, Danny boy came back with a new wife, Yunara. He got blessed, right? Jim reaches out to uh, people in the Philippines and he's been helping the orphanage. He went, visited there a couple times and two, three times and he's got a wife. It didn't happen the same way, but Rochelle, and I love what they're doing. They're taking her front yard in the Philippines because they live here. She moved here and there's like 50 kids that show up for rice and beans and I've seen video of it. It's just beautiful and they purchase. I said, hey, the church will help you buy that. Church can pay, pay for it. They were going to get a, a speaker system that they can run through the phone as they share the gospel. She's sharing with these kids the gospel. And it's beautiful. You watch it. These kids are just so excited. They're getting food and they're, they're just, and they're hearing the word of God. They're, doing, they're singing worship songs. That's what it's all about. You know, it's so beautiful. And I say it's better to give than to receive. When Jimmy shares it with you, you know, or Rochelle, they just light up because it's so neat to be in people's lives and see their lives change. And God says he wants to use you to do that. And that ha- happens right here, happens beyond these walls as well. And it's neat too, because you know, every month, these kids are so poor. But I mean, the kids come on a weekly basis and they hear the word of God and they have song and they really get into it. You know, they're excited. They worship with excitement and, and uh, they don't have birthdays. They don't have the money to have a cake. So every month, whoever's birthday it is that month, they have a cake for all those kids and they just get all excited, you know? Just these things that are just so practical and so beautiful that we can do because the Lord's blessed us in so many ways, you know? And it's nice to know too that there may be a time when you're in super need and it's like, wow, we're like a third world country all of a sudden. And you'll be very grateful that people are reaching out to you because you don't even have toilet paper because guess what? Costco don't even exist anymore. And then the help really matters. And, you know, that may not happen and probably won't, but who knows? It could. Depends how bad things get because things are pretty, pretty sad. So we want to bear each other's physical burdens to, you know, degree. Uh, but also, uh, and we have to be careful. Like I said, Jesus said to be, you know, wise as serpents, harmless as doves. And he did talk about going the extra mile. Right? We talked about that. But he also did say, as I mentioned, not to cast your pearls before swine. I've had people, and it's, and I tend to err on the side of caution. If you ask anybody in leadership that's been in blessed any time long, I err on the side of grace in helping people. Uh, 
And, uh, but, but I'm also careful and wise, try to be careful and wise about it. Because I've, I've had people come by and, and the only time they come by, my, there was a guy that would come and stand in the back for years. And then he's just show up at the very end and he wants money from church. And he had, he had all the churches. The first few times he came by, we helped him a little bit, you know, just a little bit. And then I happened like two or three times. And I asked the guy, you know, hey, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing for work, you know? And then we want to see evidence at one point that the guy's actually looking for a job. And then, hey, are you following Christ? Because this is God's money, you know? The last time I helped him, it was maybe the third time, I gave him a little of my own money because I didn't want to give him the church's money because I didn't know if the church would agree if I gave him money at that point. But I wasn't sure not to either, you know? So, but it wasn't a lot of money. It was probably just 20, 30 bucks or something. But, you know, matters to us, right? Uh, but what I'm saying is you have to be wise and prayerful. And I've had cops in clergy meetings, you know, and stuff with the chief of police here in Simi Valley and other officers. And I've had people step up and they've talked about the homeless in this area and how it's really tough because by helping them, you're enabling them with drugs and everything else. So sometimes you got to be really help, careful who you give to. If I'm giving to someone on the streets, and I can't say I do this every time when I help someone on the streets because I, I don't always follow this principle, but usually I do. If I can, I try to get them something tangible to eat instead of giving them money, you know. Once in a while, I'll, I'll do the money thing, but it's if I have a, a decent feeling that, you know, maybe this person's really down and out. But I, I've probably been taken a few times. But I'd rather be taken a few times than close up my heart to everybody that's in need and use the excuse, nobody's really in need. They just all need to get a job. We have to be really careful because if we just look at everybody, they just need to get a job and they're probably doing drugs and then we just write everybody off, we might be filming some tests the Lord puts before us. Amen? Are you with me? How many of you go through that same struggle? You're like, this is kind of hard sometimes. I'm admitting it's hard. You don't always know. It's why important to be prayerful, you know. I learned when I was a real young Christian, some guy was in need, a couple kids, and his car broke down. I was in the valley, and he needed, and just needed a little bit of money, 40, 50 bucks or something, to get his car going. And I, I was a young Christian. I wasn't sure, but I'm like, he's not, he's not lying. I'm, probably not. Give him a little money, you know. A couple hours later, I'm going down the same street. And I don't think it wasn't enough and he couldn't find one more person to help. I just think that's just what he did, you know. And I was like, oh, there he is again. Mm. And there's one guy that told me, actually at a cops and clergy meeting we had some time ago, he spoke and he said, hey, I know the name of everybody that visits the churches for money. And he goes, I know. Where, and he goes, and there's one guy I know. He comes from Thousand Oaks. And he's really successful at going to people and panhandling. And he's got more money than any of you guys here. And he's got a really nice car and everything else because he's really good at it. And, you, if you, you, and he says, I mean, he just kind of said, this is the guy. He said, contact me if you're going to help one of these people on the streets. Otherwise, you know, you could be taken. And I, of course, I'm not like, oh, I've got to go through him now because I want to be led by the Lord. Because he can't know everybody and everybody's need, you know. But the biggest need that these people have that are really struggling and it's a legitimate struggle is the Lord. Amen. But sometimes there is a legitimate struggle and oftentimes there is. Now in our country with the affluence that's here, that doesn't mean there's not people that don't lose their job. You know, don't lose a spouse that don't, aren't going through really bad hardship. So we have to really be prayerful about it. Now we have some help in Galatians chapter 6 verse 10. The next chapter he says, do good unto all men, but especially to those who are of the household of God. 
In other words, guess what? I'm supposed to be doing good to everybody, but especially to my brothers and sisters in Christ, my family. Amen? Our church family. So, you know, uh, and there's been people, you know, in the church that used to go here for years that I had to say, hey, you know what? We've helped you a lot. We've given you gas cards and stuff like that. And you need to get a job, you know? And it's been X amount of years since you've had a steady job. And we can't help you anymore, you know? And hey, the Bible says if you're unwilling to work, you're not going to eat. Show me that you're willing to work. Let me see some evidence of that. I've had, those, had that conversation before, you know? And that's not easy for me because I'm a I'm, I'm, I'm pretty loving guy. And I have a hard time sometimes confronting people with that kind of stuff. But I have to as a pastor. It's my job. It's one of the hardest parts of my job, you know. I don't look forward to like, I can't wait to confront that person, you know. No, it's painful because you love people, you know. You care about them and you want to err on the side of grace, but you also want to make sure you don't cast your pearls or the church's pearls before swine. Now, it's interesting because there's also spiritual burdens, Spiritual burdens, meaning people that, you know, struggle, are struggling spiritually. Maybe they're, they're weak in an area or, or they don't have understanding, so they, they make spiritual mistakes or, you know, they tell their Jehovah Witness neighbor, praise the Lord, Jesus loves you so much, I can't wait till we go to heaven together, you know? And it's just, you just realize, okay, they're off in this area, you got to share with them, you know? Uh, they need to know, that they need to get those folks to know who Jesus is, you know? Uh, so, Spiritually speaking, I mean, a lot of these things I just talked about are spiritual as well. But as far as a directly spiritual thing that has to do with God's relationship that someone has with God, uh, with the Lord, you know, sometimes when you're helping someone, sometimes you just need to be there. Sometimes your very presence can really bless someone. I don't know what to say. Remember Job's friends? They did best with him when they didn't say anything. So when they started saying things that they really got in trouble, you know. And the youngest guy didn't say anything for the longest time because he wanted to make sure he didn't blow it. <laughs> oh, but it's interesting, his waiting, it was actually a blessing in a lot of ways. So uh, that's how we, we, we can bear each other's pains and, 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 you know, go to Galatians chapter 6 again. But look at verse 1. Let's look at more of the context now. Verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. But look at some of the context here. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of what? Gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. You see that? Part of the way we bear each other's burdens is by if a brother or sister falls into sin, we try to help them out. We try to encourage them. And remember, we're fulfilling the law of Christ. We're loving our neighbors ourselves. If I got off spiritually and I was going the wrong direction, and the next time you saw me come up here, I had a, you know, my head was shaved and I had a Hare Krishna robe and a, a little, you know, you know tam, tam, tambourine here, and it was like, you know, praise Hare Krishna, you know. Uh, <laughs> Diane's eyes, that's a funny look, Diane, like this, you know, with a little smile. She knows I'm kidding. But I would hope you would reach out to me, you know. I hope Eddie would come over and say, Joe, <laughs> what are you doing? I love you, bro, but man. I hope you wouldn't just say, oh, you know what? I don't know if that robe fits you right, bro, you know, and just skirt around the issue. I would hope you'd be like, man, 
You know what I'm saying? When you love your neighbor yourself, you recognize that they're hurting. They're going the wrong direction. And this, it's interesting because part of loving your neighbor is not just, it's, it's doing others as you'd have them doing to you. And that means correction too. The Bible says a wise man, you know, accepts a rebuke. The Bible says the foolish man hates correction. And you know what? Listen to what it says. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, when it says, You shall not take vengeance nor hold a grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You know what it says right before that? Verse 15. You shall, uh, uh, you shall not do injustice uh, or in judgment. You shall not show partiality to the poor nor give preference to the great. You, shall, uh, you are to judge your neighbor fairly. You shall not go about as a slander among your people. And you are not to jeopardize the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Now listen to this. You shall not hate your fellow countrymen in your heart. You may certainly rebuke your neighbor. Wow. But you are not to incur sin because of him. Wow. In other words, don't let someone who's also sin lead you into sin by the way you treat him or, you know, don't treat him. You shall not take vengeance nor hold any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, you know? And this term right here, brother, if any of you is caught in any trespass, caught, overcome, the Greek word is translated, overtaken. You can be overtaken in trespasses. And it's not, the idea isn't somebody just totally falls away. But the idea is that they fall into sin and it could just continue to repeat and they could fall away. It's, it's all sin. It has to do with somebody that falls into a sin. They're not, right before this in chapter five, he talks about walking in the spirit. Be led by the spirit. Amen. And then, so you got this walk going on. This walk. And all of a sudden they're not walking now. They've just fallen into something. Okay. It's important that we understand the context here. The context with chapter five and six is, it's all woven together with chapter 5 and 6 where he says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He goes on to say, the works of the flesh are manifest. And he goes on to list all these sinful, wicked things of which I forewarn you, even as I forewarned you, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He goes on to say, if we live by the spirit, uh, let us also walk in the spirit. So the idea there is these besetting sins that are sinful, that are fleshly, that since we do have this thing called free will, we can get involved in something that's very sinful. And if we stay there and we begin to practice the things of the flesh and we're not restored, he says, don't be deceived. You will not inherit God's kingdom. In chapter 5, he says, you know, that, you know, for certain, I warned you, even as I warned you before, those who practice these things will not inherit God's kingdom. Chapter 6, the very next, this chapter we're in right now, look at verses 7 through 9. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap what? Corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit from the Spirit will reap what? Eternal life. It's the opposite of corruption. Verse 9. Let us not lose heart, right? Let's not lose heart, guys. I'm doing good. We're supposed to continue to trust the Lord and follow Him. So if somebody falls into a sin of the flesh and they haven't repented and they're still practicing it and walking in it, they're overtaken. The Greek word there is prolambano, to be overtaken, prolambano. Vine's Greek dictionary defines it as, uh, as basically being caught by the trespass uh, through his being off guard in contrast to premeditated practice of evil. So it's almost like someone's just overtaken. Now they're in danger, okay? 
uh, Thayer is Greek lexicon of the Greek as, of uh, Prolimbano, uh, to take one by forestalling, i.e. before he can flee or conceal his crime, i.e. surprise, defe- defect, and so forth. So it's the idea of somebody just all of a sudden, man, they've been walking, but all of a sudden, boom, they just fell into something. And, they're, and, they're, and they need help to get out of it. And we're supposed to seek to restore them and love them as we love ourselves. And notice he says in chapter 6, verse 1, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are what? Spiritual. It's calling those who are spiritual. Those, now guess what? All Christians ought to be spiritual. But there are those who are babes in Christ. Amen? They're still young in the Lord. They haven't gotten too far past John three sixteen in their knowledge of the Scripture. And maybe they have character things that the Lord's still working on and it's hard for them to restore someone. But he tells us to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, so we can actually not only be right with God and please Him, amen, but so we could also be on part of this rescue mission team. And we're all supposed to be part of this rescue mission. You yourself, yes, you and I as believers, we're, we all ought to be able to say, you know, and know that we're walking with the Lord, we're spiritual, and God can use us to reach others, amen? That's important. He wants us there. But if you're constantly following, in your, following yourself, you know, that's where the enemy wants you. That's not where God wants you. And then you're too weak or your life's riddled with, with sin and you're, or you're being a hypocrite if you try to help someone else because you're in sin, then it's hard for you to help the body of Christ and you got to get right. So it says, you who are spiritual. And what does it mean to be spiritual? The chapter five, he tells us, right? 22, 23. But the fruit of the spirit is what? Love, peace, joy, right? Long-suffering, gentleness, Goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. But notice he says, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a what? Spirit of what? Are you there? Five one or five, six one? Restore him in a spirit of what? Gentleness. Well, gentleness is on the list in chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 as the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? So those who are spiritual are manifesting or bearing the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. God's changing their character, right? Just as when you're under the influence of the devil... In demonic, the demonic realm, and your own, and you're your own little God, you manifest the flesh. Those things come out. But when we die to ourselves, and we seek to grow in the Spirit, and we put to death the deeds of the body, chapter 5, verse 24, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh, it says, with its affections and desires. Then we, the more we mortify the deeds of the body, because it's not just a one-time deal, we do begin following Jesus by taking up our cross denying ourselves. But we read Ephesians and Colossians, you see there's the act that's taken place where we've died to self, Romans chapter 6 as well, but then there's a continual putting off of the old man and putting on the new man. So one who is spiritual is one who is growing, right, in spiritual character and seeking to be more like Jesus, saying, hey, I want to live for the Lord. I want to be a blessing to other people. I want to reach out to other people. I want to help other people. He says, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Wow. So guess what? This is, this is not something you just, oh, man, that person sinned. I'm just going to go make them get right with God. Can't believe they did it. I'd never fall like that. Well, guess what? You're a perfect candidate to fall. Because he says, <laughs> restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Now, you can be tempted by the same sin that they're in. Because you can't believe they fall in such a thing. All of a sudden, the devil's, ooh, really? The Bible says, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So you want to be careful when you're restoring someone. Or you might fall into a totally different sin. You might say, I'd never do that. And all of a sudden, you fall into a spirit of pride. Like, I'm 
I'm so holy and righteous. I'm always fixing everybody else up. I don't need to be on guard. I don't need to be prayerful because I'm super Christian. Well, you're going to find out real quick. There's no such thing as a super Christian. Okay? We stand by his grace. Amen? It's by his power that we stand. He's the one that's super in us. Amen? It's no longer we that live, but Christ lives on us. Amen? The life we now live is through faith in the Son of God. So we have to look to him for strength and be very, very careful. If you are being arrogant and think, well, and you're always thinking you're higher than everybody else, more holy than everybody else, well, that's a problem the Pharisees had, you know? You know, it says they thought that they were more righteous than others. And they were aloof to others, and that's why they couldn't even understand and get their brains around when Jesus was talking about what it meant to love one another, the parable of the Good Samaritan, amen? He let them know what it really means to love one another. But they want nothing to do with people with, from another racial background, you know? And Jesus was basically letting them know what it meant to love your neighbor. And we need to really care about other people, really love other people. It's hard. Right now, there's a lot of weird stuff going on politically between the left and the right and all the banner back and forth. But don't let yourself be des- described as far right, far left, or any. Let yourself be, si- be, des- be defined as one who loves Jesus, one who's been transformed by his grace. Amen? One that's reaching out to people of every ethnic background because we are all sons of Adam. We share his blood. We've all been redeemed by the blood of Christ who belong to Christ. Amen? And there's one race. Amen? It's not about skin color. It's about, it's not about skin. I always say it's about sin. Amen? It's not about race. It's about the need for God's grace. Amen? And we need to love one another. And that's the beauty of the Christian church, true Christianity. I love it, man, because you can look around and see people from all different kinds of backgrounds, you know? I love that. I want to see that more and more, and I can't wait to get, one reason I can't wait to get to heaven, first and foremost, see Jesus. But I love Revelation chapter 7, people from every nation, kindred, people, and tongue who wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb, man. It's going to be the most beautiful worship because we're just going to be around the Lord with, and you're going to see kinds, all kinds of beings you didn't even know even existed, you know? There's different types of angels, you know? There's the holy angels, there's Millions and millions, myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands. There's the holy cherubim. And you're just going to trip out. It's like, you better learn to get along with your brothers and sisters now in Christ because you're going to have beings like the cherubim. They have like eyes everywhere. Lift up their wings. There's eyes under their wings. And they're looking at you. (laughs) And they're pretty cool. Uh, So it's interesting. This Greek word uh, translated, translated, uh, the word that, that's translated to restore. You are spiritual, restore such a one. The spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you do not be tempted. That Greek word restore is quite interesting because it, it is uh, kartotizo, and it means, I love that word, kartotizo, the meaning of the word. It's used to set a bone that's been broken. We're called to restore others. We're the body of Christ, amen? And there's people in the body of Christ that get broken. We need to set bones. We need to not just set bones, but that same Greek word, you know, it's also used of mending. That same kartizo is used of mending nets in Matthew 4, 21. It says, going on from there, he, meaning Jesus, saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending, kartizo, kartizo, mending their nets, and he called them. So I love that. I don't think that's an accident. The Holy Spirit will use these words and 
And sometimes it's the literary mind of God. Not just, you'll see this in the epistles, you see this in the gospels, the way they use words. But it's also the mind of God inspiring all of scripture. And he wants us to mend people. He wants us to realize some people are torn up. Some people have broken bones. And you know what? If someone's got a broken bone, they're not always easy to deal with when you're trying to help them. Right? You ever touch somebody who has a broken bone in that area? Or a sprained, a sprain? It's like, ah! They might take it personal. Just don't touch me! God, I'm here to help. You know? That might be what happens when you're dealing with someone's sin. They might, they're not gonna, it's not going to be like perfect. It's going to be painful to help. And, but we're supposed to be gentle and have good bedside manners. How do you like to have a broken arm and the doctor's like, hey, come here. Grabs you by the arm, pulls you over. Ah! You hear about the guy? He was hurting everywhere. Every place on his body. The doctor says, where do you hurt? He goes, here, ah! Here, ah! He points, here, ah! Everywhere he hurt, you know? And the doctor couldn't figure it out. Because the doctor touched him, he didn't hurt everywhere. Then he realized it was just his finger that hurt, you know? Come on, Shiloh. <laughs> so, Sometimes people have problems like that where they don't know what's wrong with them. They don't know. I heard everywhere. Or this is going on. And they can't locate what's really wrong with them. That's why you want to pray for discernment because sometimes God will give you insight. You know, I had a, a brother I was reaching out to and he was going through a whole lot of things for many years. And I said, bro, you know, I don't know if this is it for sure, but I think a lot of your problem is he had a couple kids out of wedlock. He wasn't helping the kids out at all from both of the marriages, or I think it was one marriage maybe. My heart broke for him. I thought, I tried to share with him. I go, you know what? You're going through these situations, these situations all the time, but you need to take care of the stuff that you left behind. That isn't taken care of yet, you know? And so sometimes we need to help people see things that might be glaring in their life, you know, uh, that they may not actually see. And they're mending their nets. What were nets used for by those fishermen? Fishing. When we mend other people and we help them out, we don't only help them, but we also help the cause of Christ, amen? Because they're able to be fishermen and fisherwomen for Jesus, amen? And that's why it says do good to all men, but especially those of the household of God. As we minister to the body of Christ, the body of Christ is healthier, and we can end up becoming more effective with the gospel. If you know anything about our ministry, we really champion street witnessing, going out, sharing the gospel, witnessing uh, a lot of the videos I do. We, we go after the lost, but we also are a big time about reaching the church, not just here, but all around the world as much as we can with sound doctrine to get them right with God in areas, amen, so we can be more effective as a church. That's a big part of it. But he says that we're supposed to be watching ourselves. And then in verse 6 or verse 3, what does he say? For if anyone, what, thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. One of the things that keeps people from loving or reaching out to others is self-love and too high of an opinion of ourselves, where it's about us. And therefore, right here he says, I mean, right after he says, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ, he warns about thinking of yourself too much. If you think you're something, when you're nothing, you deceive yourself. The Bible says in Philippians 2, 3, and 5, do nothing from selfishness or empty to conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Can you imagine if we actually did that? Regard one another as more important than yourself. Wow. If everybody did that, everybody would be taken care of. Amen? Everybody that would be, you know, seeking the Lord would. 
Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interests of others. And then he gives the example of Jesus. Let this mind or this attitude be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Although he's the very form of God, he didn't consider equality with God something to be held on to. But he let go. He became a man, humbled himself and became like us and died for us. And not just any death, it says even the death on the cross. And then it says that his name is now more highly exalted than any name. Guess what? The Father took care of him. The Father would take care of you and I as we condescend to the man of the lower estate. In fact, listen to what Romans 12 says, verse 3 and then verse 16. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. I love that. In fact, I looked for that translation to King James because that's how I was buried in my heart to a degree when I was a young Christian. I love that. Condescend, it's not... It's kind of a little harder English, but condescend to the man of the lower estate. Meaning, do what Jesus did, man. If someone's down here, get on your knee and try to help them. Help them up. Do what you can to help them, you know. I mean, I see, I look around this fellowship, I see all these loving people. Brad, I don't mean to embarrass you, but he's been visiting my father-in-law who lost his wife with his wife. Just, you know, driving by and seeing how he's doing because he lives in the neighborhood. But he, he doesn't have to do that, you know. I'm like, he barely knows him. I think you painted for him, right, Brad? Yeah, that was kind of you, bro. But that really blesses my hearts to know that you do that. You don't have to do that, but that's beautiful. We're just reaching out to people, loving them. Now, let's look at verses 4 and 5 real quickly of Galatians chapter 6. But each must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another doesn't mean boasting in the sense like, ah, oh, look what a great guy I'm in, I'm in. But it means rejoicing that you're in God's will. That praise God, I'm walking with the Lord. And you can have joy in that. There's a lot of joy in giving. Then look at verse 5. For each one will what? Bear his own load. Wow. Each one will bear his own load. Wow. And is that a contradiction? Something. Is there a contradiction there? Because he says bear one of those burdens. And now he says bear your own load. No, there's not a contradiction. Paul didn't contradict himself within just a few verses, you know. Uh, he didn't contradict himself at all because the Holy Spirit inspired these books. But it's a totally different word for burden there. Okay, it's fortion. It's not the word that we looked at earlier for burden. The Greek word's fortion there. And fortion uh, speaks of uh, a burden that's an individual burden that's untransferable that God's given you to bear in the context of this passage. That there's things that, there's certain things that we can't bear for other people. Like, we're responsible for our own behavior, amen? You, I can't walk your walk for you. You can't walk my walk for me, amen? Those are burdens that we have to bear ourselves. We have to go before the Lord. The Bible says without holiness, no one will see the Lord, you know? And Peter says, in 1 Peter 1.15, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance. But like the one who called you, be holy your, uh, yourselves also in all your behavior, because as this is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Amen? So we can encourage people in holiness. We can warn them. We can praise the Lord for what he's doing in their lives. But we can't walk their walk. And we have to walk our own walk before the Lord. And that's what we have to be very, very careful with this, guys, because we can, we're supposed to confess our sins to one another, 
Do you ever share with a brother or sister some struggle that you've had? And that would, of course, be a trustworthy brother or sister that, that loves you and cares about you, you know? Although if somebody ever says to me, hey, Joe, I want to share a burden with you, but you can never, ever share this with anybody else. You know what? I don't say yes. I say, well, it depends what it is. So he tells me they're molesting a child. I'm not going to, well, you, you, you said you wouldn't share. It's like, no, I don't say I'll, I'll, whatever you share. I say, well, guess what? If I just, I'm just honest with them. There's certain things that if it's like you're committing criminal acts, hurting a kid or something like that, I'm going to have to share that. But if anybody knows me, I've been proven by the grace of God to be very trustworthy because people go share burdens with me all the time and it's not for the church to know, you know? And I've seen people that you would never know went through certain burdens in the past, certain sin struggles that are just flourishing in Jesus now because you show patience, you show kindness, you show them love, you recognize that you too could fall and you show them the same love that you'd want to be shown and you pray first. And the Bible says to pray for one another, James chapter five. And then after, so are you praying for one another? Confess your sins to one another, pray for another. And then it goes on to say as well in the scripture, uh, brethren, if any of you, right after that in James, and he ends with this, if any of you turn from the truth, one converts him back, will save a soul from death and hide a multitude of sins. But guess what? We can't bear one another's sins, amen, either. Only Jesus could do that. And what did Jesus say? He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavily burdened, right? And I will give you rest. He says, take upon Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and I will give you rest for your souls. Amen? And one of the words for burden there or is the same word, one of the same words we're looking at in Galatians 5. Every one of us has the burden of sin that dooms us, and no brother or sister can bear that burden. Jesus already did on the cross. Amen? So all the guilt, whatever you've gone through in the past, whatever you're going through right now, if we repent, we cry out to him in faith. Amen. We receive forgiveness of sins and cleansing and a right standing with God. Justification. Amen. So make sure you're trusting Jesus. But you know, the hardest thing for a lot of people to do is admit, you know, that, and that's what keeps millions of people from Christ. They don't want to admit they're sinners. They don't admit that they've blown it and they don't want to humble themselves. But the Bible says, Jesus said, if you, unless you humble yourself and become like a little child and be converted, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Matthew 18. And the scriptures say in James 5 and in 1 Peter 5, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will what? Lift you up. Peter says he'll exalt you in due season. So brothers and sisters, we want to always bring our sin to the Lord, ask for forgiveness and seek to walk with him. Amen. But at the same time, a big part of our Christian walk in life is bearing each other's burdens, amen? So are we going to just forget this message and go home? Late dinner, if you haven't eaten dinner yet, or just whatever you're going to do, are we going to say, Lord, help me to bear each other's burdens better. Help me to be more sensitive to other people. Help me to be close to you and not think I'm any, a hotshot Christian, because there's no hotshot Christians. We're all saved by His grace, amen? And that use me to help other people out, amen? Help me love on them, Amen? Let those who are spiritual restore in a spirit of gentleness. Let's not be the focus of our walks. In, in, one of the focuses of our walks is encouraging each other in the faith. Amen. The Bible says we're supposed to bear with those who are weak. I could not be a pastor if I didn't bear with those who are weak. You know? I've had people come, how can you put up with these people? Like, well, the same way I might be putting up with you right now as you say that. <laughs> Just love you, you know? 
He is good, amen? amen? And you know what? Let's seek to be more like him because anything that happens good in our lives is because we become more like him. And it's because of his grace, amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your goodness. We pray that this fellowship would thrive and that we'd be really what you want us to be, Father.